Fulhamish is backed for the season by Ladbrokes. Hello and welcome to the Fulhamish podcast. My name is Sammy James. This is your weekly independent Fulham FC audio guide. We're live from my living room with the man, Farrell Monk. How are you doing, sir? Good evening. Thank you for letting me in. That's okay. I was tempted to leave you outside, but I thought it was a cold night. You know, wouldn't, wouldn't do that to you. Story of my life. <laughs> uh, well, in tonight's podcast, uh, Farrell and I are going to be looking back at yesterday's one-all draw with Bristol City. Uh, as we continued our unbeaten run that now stretches to 11 games plus also previewing Wolves this weekend the tough tests continue for the Whites Uh, we need to do some three word reviews in a second just to say that this season Fulhamish is backed by Ladbrokes and right now if you sign up and deposit £50 into your account then Ladbrokes will match your deposit up to £50 you can get this offer by following the link at bet.fulhamish.co.uk I normally do that after the three word review I've just realised but you know Always good to switch things up, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Let's see if the fans like that change. Yeah, keep it on your toes. So, Farrell, some three-word reviews from last night, and I saw plenty come in. Yeah, there was quite a lot, uh, which is uh, different for a draw, because usually if there's a win, there's a billion of you, and if there's a loss, there's two billion of you. Um, but I picked <laughs> and, if up... and if it's a draw, there's six. Yeah, exactly. Um, but there's some good ones there. Uh, Durs Derpington uh, at PyTerps09 put rotation, rotation, rotation which I quite liked. That sounds like an awful TV show. <laughs> Maybe on uh, Channel 5 first. Yeah, yeah. Um, John Dave. Witham, at John Witham, put better than nothing. Yeah, good old John. And finally, David Baker, put at 51 Everington, put beauty and beast. Mm, indeed. Well, it was an interesting performance uh, last night. Lots of talking points uh, from the Bristol City game. Uh, one all, it finished. Fulham took the lead and then Bobby Reid equalised for Bristol City uh, just afterwards. Uh, the first surprise of the evening, Farrell, came when we saw the lineup, as, as is normal, really, with the visa. It's it's very rare that there isn't some sort of surprise in there. And three changes. In came Cyrus Christie, uh, Lucas Piazon and Dennis Adoy. He plays at the back. And... I mean, this is obviously squad rotation in full effect for Slav. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, usually, you know, we've spoken about it quite a lot in the past about Slavisa and his rotation tactics. And, you know, we usually talk about whether he rotates the wingers or the strikers. Um, but he threw us a couple of curveballs with the inclusions of a doy and a debut for for Cyrus Christie um, which were you know definitely not to be expected I guess lots of times last season we said how Ryan Fredericks has a tendency to burn out and he definitely got to that point a couple of times last season so maybe if his fitness is better managed then we can get more of Ryan Fredericks at 100% rather than a you know, 60 to 50% Ryan Fredericks as we did get towards the end of last season because his his game is so up and down the pitch, isn't he? He must cover more metres than any other player on the field. So I guess using Cyrus Christie, and it's not like Cyrus Christie is a bad option, is it, to have in reserve? Well, absolutely. I think it's, you know, it's Slavisa is stretching his legs and showing the strength of Fulham's squad that any other team in the championship don't have as much squad rotation as Fulham does and we still are incredibly competitive game after game after game you know Bristol City last night even though they only played 3 days ago 3 days previously played their strongest strongest 11 they did no rotation i'm sure Wolves on Saturday will do exactly the same thing Fulham have capable players that can slot in in and out i mean Fredericks is obviously our best right back but it's great that we can bring a strong uh, competitor in Cyrus Christie in and he you know he looked for the for the most part 
pretty good. Well, you look at the bench that Fulham had last night, and I, I, I was noting it at, at half time when you look on the pitch, and they're all doing like a little bit of a kickabout, aren't they? Just have, have, getting a feel for it. And, and the, the bench is so strong. So you've got Button, Kamara, Callas, Norwood, Ayute, Cabano, and Fredericks. They're all first team players. Yeah, all first team regulars. No, there are no youngsters who have, haven't got any experience they're not players they're squad players there's no Mark Fotheringham's you know there's but even like Luca De La Torre's or anything like that and right now he has got um, 17 how many how many in a squad sorry uh, 18 <laughs> maths Sammy quick um, maths 18 very capable players absolutely and I think that's a true testament to to the recruitment policy of the club um, it's a true testament to Slavisa actually using this rotation to go well I'm, lo- I'm looking at my squad I'm going to rotate them I think that they're good enough and it's good that we can do that because you know then none of them are going to be lacking match practice um, looking at the uh, goal which came kind of unexpectedly really it, it, it felt like in the ground it came out of nowhere I, I mean Christie was in a fairly non-threatening position on the right hand side he wasn't looked to break to the byline um, Bristol left back was backing off him and backing off him though and I think it's a brilliant ball to Alexander Mitrovic I think it's absolutely world class of the outside of his foot you're not so sure he meant it though well I think he was trying to put it into the right area there was certainly a corridor of uncertainty but at a <laughs> different angle um, maybe the uncertainty was in Christie's head but he was certainly putting it into the right area and I mean if he meant it to go to Mitrovic world class absolutely world class and some great um, some great anticipation from the big uh, big uh, Serbian striker um, especially since he must have seen it through about 11 bodies bef- to get you know to actually even it's see it going that way it was just amazing how none of, no Bristol player could get onto the end of it but luckily it just fell to Mitrovic and Strikers are all about confidence, aren't they? I should know. Um, <laughs> and he needs to get that first goal for Fulham to get the monkey off the back and hopefully now he can start firing prolifically. Well, yeah, and uh, Slavisa has obviously um, you know, said to uh, once he once he gets that first goal, he's going to be firing. But it's not like uh, Mitrovic has been playing all that badly. He brings a lot to the team and we all are very aware of strikers who play for the club and bring a lot to the team without actually scoring that many goals. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the past couple of seasons now, we've seen that not necessarily well, the season and a half, that not necessarily we need a striker that's going to be scoring 20, 30 goals a year. We're going to be incredibly competitive without that. Well, because we, we've had one or two, and that was in our weakest times. We had strikers that scored 20, 30 goals, but it's all about, for me, having a squad of players that can all chip in with five or six goals. And it's a far more effective way to... Yeah, obviously, if someone said to me, "Oh, you can have you can have a player that will score twenty goals," I'm not going like, to kick him out and say, "No, we shouldn't have mm. them." But certainly, we found our strength in finding a squad for, full of goal scorers. But as that said, it's a bit Mitrovic is the spearhead, and I feel like him getting off the mark. Whilst I don't think he was lacking in confidence in any of his performances, it's just one of those things. If he didn't score yesterday, doesn't score against Wolves, for example, then that's like four or five games, and suddenly it's starting to play in his mind. He's thinking, God, I just really need that first goal. He'll start snapping at chances. He'll start not having that composure that a striker needs, that cool head. Um, that clinicalness that Ben's spoken about quite a few times on the podcast and I think that all now will be aided by the fact that he's got off the mark and he doesn't have to worry that oh, I haven't still haven't scored my first goal uh, for Fulham unfortunately though Fulham's lead didn't last terribly long 
Uh, Bristol City pretty much e- instantly put the pressure on and actually should have equalised in about 60 seconds. Oh, crikey. I mean, Fulham dealt quite well with uh, the onslaught of pressure that Bristol uh, gave us uh, throughout the whole game. But, I mean, within 30 seconds, a gold, absolute golden chance for Bristol City. I, I'd be, I mean, if Lee Johnson didn't get the result that he wanted last night, I'm sure that he would be haranguing his players uh, for not putting that chance away. I mean... I'm just so I was so shocked by the way Bristol approached the game last night. They came to the cottage. Uh, I think it was like October, November. It was certainly around that kind of Halloween period, and it was a horror show uh, for <laughs> Fulham. But Bristol were brilliant. They were breath. I, they, I I I thought they were one of the best teams to come to the cottage in years, and I just thought they played us off the park. And it wasn't these long ball tactics and long throws into the box and sticking your centre back up in right midfield for goal kicks. It was just all like. What what's happened to this Bristol side? When did they pick up this ugly way of playing football? I know it's it's a bit it's a bit weird because I you know that they played Leeds on on Sunday and um, although they did get their two goals from two long throws, the rest of the you know most of the game where they were incredible against Leeds and made Leeds look even worse than they actually are, um, that. They were playing the ball around so easily and so effectively that they were almost almost like, well, these long throws aren't really our game. This is how we play football. You know, they've got some they've got some decent footballing players. Bobby Reed is a good player. Oh yeah. And um, yet, all of a sudden, it, it, it's almost as if they changed their game to exploit Fulham's weaknesses. We have seen for the past eighteen months that the teams that tend to bully us slightly do a little bit better than the ones that try and play around well, us. Well, this is what I was going to ask. Do you like? Do you think that was an intentional thing from Lee Johnson? He said, I've looked at when Fulham has struggled and it tends to be against sides that bully them. And even Bolton a few weeks ago, big physical side. And yeah, we, well, we picked up a point. It wasn't like we, we lost 3-0. But he's, and, and he must have looked more at a point at the Villa performance on Saturday. Good footballing side, tried to go down there, play football, and Fulham played them off the park. He must have just thought, look, we're, we're not in the best confidence at the moment. That's not the way that we need to approach this game. We need to be we need to be bullies on on, on Wednesday. Yeah, and I think that um, if especially if you look at the possession stats, maybe it's just smart play from Lee Johnson. And all credit to him because but it's uh, kind of worked. Well, yeah, it did kind of work. I mean, I reckon both teams were definitely going out for the win. I don't think Slavisa has ever ever said to said to the Fulham team, "Let's go for a draw." Mm. So you know, Fulham are always going to go out for the win. And I think Lee Johnson told his players exactly the same thing. But they decided to approach the game a different way. And all credit to him, for a lot of that game, Fulham were rattled. Oh, yeah, and I think, to us, when you look at the chances, Bristol definitely had more chances to, to win. Uh, it was just it was just so strange. I, I just didn't... It was two different Bristol cities that, that we've seen um, this season. Uh, looking at a few... Uh, just looking at the goal, sorry. Poor defending from Fulham. A few of the Fulham defence will be disappointed with that. Dennis Adoy misses a few chances to, to get the ball clear. Uh, and then Kevin McDonald, a bit guilty of um, ball watching um, for for the for the man who gives Bobby Reed the assist, kind of lost Bobby Reed, and he has that space. And you, you give someone of his quality even a, even a sniff of goal, and he he's the kind of player that will punish you. Absolutely, um, you know, I th- it did happen three or four occasions where Fulham just couldn't clear their lines. There was a period for about five or ten minutes where all it was was a succession of long throws, corners, and just balls into the box that we just weren't clearing our lines with, and were able to settle down. And it was a complete onslaught, and it unfortunately led to a goal um, it is a great little one too mm. um, fair play I mean, you know, credit where credit's due and all that but 
you know, it all stems from the fact that we didn't clear our lines. Dennis Adoy in particular was guilty of that, mostly in the first half. He did make up for it for a few other crucial interceptions, which we'll talk about in a bit. But also Tim Ream was rattled. I think that was, you know, not, he didn't play particularly badly, but there are one or two mistakes in his game yesterday, especially with, you know, with clear free headers and a couple of free passes that he had that were just quite wayward for someone you know who is the best footballer in the championship uh, a few individual performances then uh, to pick up on I thought Sessegnon was quite quiet last night although he very nearly um, got the assist which um, Mitrovic really like could have done better in it and would have and if he got any connection on Sess's cross in the second half would have almost definitely been a goal I just wondered does he need a rest perhaps and this is this is quite funny you know rewind three or four months um, when we were lit all of us the whole the whole podcast said yep yeah, time for Sess to have a rest um, and then lo and behold he scores a hat-trick against Sheffield United so yeah. let's talk about some more yes yeah, have a rest please <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll say it and just hope that against Wolves he scores a hat-trick and adds another 5 million to his what is already an extortionate transfer fee overall though is it a good point for Fulham I, I think when you look at when you looked at Bristol City's form going into the game, it felt like a winnable match. Uh, they'd they'd had two confidence sapping results against Sunderland and then and then against Leeds in particular. Uh, and I was, if I'm being brutally honest, before the game, I was saying, look, we we've got to we've got to be taking advantage. But in the circumstances with the tactics that Bristol played and still going away to a difficult ground, it shows how far we come that actually we may be a little bit disappointed that we've only got a point from a game like this. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, when you look at the facts of it, that we were playing the team that was directly below us. Mm. You know, three was it three points uh, at the I start? Think it's, uh, like, yeah, uh, two or three points. Yeah. Um, and it's all still away from home. You still definitely would have taken a draw. We didn't need the win. You know, you of these two games, you would have taken four points from a possible six. Um you wouldn't be disappointed if we didn't get the win, but there was certainly a chance. There's more of a chance than you would have said two months ago. Um, I would have personally taken the draw. I can understand why fans would have said a win was, you know, what we, we were truly going there for, but a draw. There was just lots of difficult circumstances I felt last night. There was Matt Target picking up, picking up a little bit of an injury. He seemed to have almost like a bit of cramp uh, throughout the game and was clearly struggling. Tom Kearney, for me, in the second half looked like... He was playing at 60-70%. He looked a bit... I couldn't tell if it was fatigue or, or the or the injury. but uh, and, then the, and the referee, I didn't think, actually was helping matters much either. I don't think he was necessarily um, picking on Fulham too badly. I think he also made some dodgy decisions the other way. But he just kind of kept getting decisions wrong and it didn't help with the flow of the game. I think the referee had fatigue, if that's personally <laughs> honest. I think he needed a rest. I think they needed to sub him off for, for the fourth official. Um, I, I, some some strange decisions. Um, you know, he, I think that he failed to control the game. Uh, yeah. I think there were some tasty things going on. I think Bristol and and Fulham were guilty of some cynical challenges here and there. Bristol more so. Um, but some of the decision making just kind of got to some of the players, and I think that the players start to think, well, what else can I get away with? Mm. You know, I'm going to palm the ball out of play with my with my fist. You know, yeah, that's... I saw on one occasion, and then and then it was given the other way, but. Um... You know, it, it, it was starting to get to the players and maybe just ruffled them a bit and mm. stifled the play a bit. Because on both sides, some of the passing was quite wayward. There was a lot mm. of missed touches. There was a lot of misplaced passes. Um, you know, a lot of the times both sets of fans were going way for a misplaced yeah. goal kick or, or whatnot. Um, 
but yeah, I don't think the referee had. Well, a nice I, game. I took a neutral to the game last night. Um, lives in Bristol, so he came with me, and I think that was the thing he said. He was like, you know, I've, I've enjoyed the game. It was a good, good atmosphere. It was a brilliant atmosphere, actually. I've got to say, the, the Fulham fans that were there last night, out in four, seventeen hundred of them on a on a midweek. It was it was something quite special, actually. I thought. Um, really for us all to be down there on a Wednesday night I know Bristol's an easy-ish place to get to but still the commitment there on a Wednesday is fantastic and I know that um, it's well received by the boys on the pitch anyway he was just saying it was a bit of an ugly game of football it wasn't really one for the neutrals it's mm. certainly if you'd have been watching it on the telly you might have switched it off after after 60 minutes and thought oh god this is this is sh- shocking <laughs> well it was much like uh, on on uh, the other week when we were watching I think was it the FA Cup game? There was uh, I was in a pub before the game on Saturday, and it was Swansea versus Sheffield Wednesday on the TV. Yes, that was last Saturday. Yes, and um, no one was watching it because everyone was captivated by the skiing that was going on <laughs> on, on the Winter Olympics. No one was watching anything that was going on. Who whoever at, at BT Sport who decided to choose that game has probably grovelled exactly. to their to their bosses. Uh, well, we'll come on to uh, the TV game though that is happening this Saturday, which I think will be a classic uh, between uh, Wolves and Fulham. Just want to have a quick um, talk about the table though. Um, after Saturday, all the talk was about the race for second, and we'd kind of got ourselves to within six points of Cardiff. But now uh, Cardiff got a very good win last night away at Ipswich most of the other results went our way Derby drew um, and uh, well Wolves drew but not that that really matters too much but certainly with Derby drawing and Villa drawing the night before it's it's but with Cardiff eight points ahead I just think it's looking difficult and my question to you really is what I'm trying to get out here are we I still think we should be more concerned looking behind us trying to cement our playoff place which I think when you see the table and a few good results Brentford picking up a 5-0 win uh, and a few other teams below us also picking up uh, a couple of points on us surely we've still got to be looking over our shoulder rather than aiming above yeah absolutely Uh, there are there are quite a lot of teams here there are there's I think there's seven or eight teams all covering 10 points here and in the grand scheme of things, especially when you consider the run that Fulham have gone recently, it's not a great amount. You know, it only takes one team like us to lose one game, like I said the other night, and they're all kind of all the dynamic changes. Cardiff were started to sort you know, they started to wane a bit. And all of a sudden the past four or five games, they're back in it. And now they're second by quite a considerable distance. So we have to look around and, you know, there are quite a lot of teams here. You might even look down at other teams, you know, when you look at Brentford, Fulham might have been, Fulham were pretty much in exactly the same position this time last year. And we ended up firmly in the playoffs Mm. with one game to spare. Yeah. So I think the interesting one was on Tuesday when it was Villa, Preston, two teams directly, um, involved in in and around us in the table and, and Preston took the lead and quite a lot of people on forums were were celebrating our oh, Villa are losing and, and a lot of people going whoa 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 I don't think we want Preston to be winning this either like yeah. yes it's all good well and good that Villa aren't getting points but Preston are directly below us yeah it's unlikely that Fulham are going to win on 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 Saturday it'll be a great result if they do I know Wolves dropped have dropped a couple of results recently but it'd still be a really good win if they do but if we don't and even if we lose then we will be looking over our shoulder and we were talking about letting getting carried away can we get automatic promotion yes absolutely can we fall out of the playoffs equally as absolutely <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so 
it remains to be seen. There are a, there is a lot of football to be played here. There's still 15 games to go. That's 45 points up for grabs here. Yeah. You know, let's go for the championship. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, to do that, we might need to start beating the uh, league leaders, and that is happening on Saturday. Uh, not that we might beat them. I'm saying the the game is happening though. This Saturday, <laughs> that's one thing for sure. Uh, 5:30 kickoff, Fulham versus Wolves. I mean, lots have been said about Wolves. It's an incredible team, but as you said, stuttering a little bit at the moment. Two draws in their last two games, and, and it was only five or six games ago that Forest went there uh, and got and won at Wolves. It's potentially a good time to be facing them. Yeah, absolutely. Especially since Ruben Neves has picked up his 10th yellow card. Yeah, that's a real result for us. Is he the most expensive player in the championship ever? Yes, Of course, Ross McCormack was, what, 150 million or something (laughs) else? Um, But, I mean, yeah, I mean, he's a massive blow to them. He's He's an incredible footballer. He's playing way below his level. He's a big loss for them. I can't really think of a a player or two that, you know, will be at least 75, 80% of player he is. But, Mm. you know, you look through the rest of their team, they've got talent all around it. Um, Helder Costa, Diego Hotter. They've got a good team and they've got, you know, no team goes into the championship and wins every game. Fulham, whenever it was... uh, 18 years ago or so we didn't win every single game that whole year and we were incredible so there is certainly a chance as you said Forrest won the other week we'll be at home it's been six wins in a row seven Seven home wins wins in a row bloody hell Um, (laughs) that makes me think (laughs) and if the Villa if the Villa atmosphere is anything to go by it will be another good one on Saturday I would expect it to be pretty much 95 to 100% um, attendance uh, of the ground so I, I think that if the fans ha- would the fans help we could generate an atmosphere mm. that might just have the Wolves players rattled and there's just a li- I feel for Wolves at the moment there must just be a little bit of a lack of motivation because no one's chasing you yeah it's like in, in even in, in, in real life if you're if you're at work and y- your boss isn't um, motivating you isn't kind of putting the pressure on for you to do work do you do you put in 100% every day? No, slowly your productivity goes down a little bit. And I feel like this is the case with Wolves. They've just got absolutely nobody on their tails. Although maybe now they've picked up a couple of draws in a row, there might be a little bit more motivation uh, for Saturday to just get back to winning ways and go like, okay, lads, let's just uh, let's get back to business here. Well, hopefully Fulham are like that annoying junior member of staff that's, I'm going to take your job, I'm yeah. going to take your job. <laughs> <laughs> Give me another year, maybe, and then we'll, we'll take your job. Yeah. But, um, you know, we like that little yappy dog. Um, but yeah, hopefully, maybe maybe Wolves won't bring that many fans. I don't know what the, I don't know, everyone can kind of see Villa were... Um, going to bring down 10,000 fans a ridiculous amount that they said um, so hopefully maybe Wolves are, Wolves fans are thinking it's just going to be one of those run of the mill fixtures we've won we've pretty much sewn up the championship already and we're going to bring down 2,000 mm. and then Fulham are going to fill the rest of the stadium and create you know one hell of an atmosphere at the cottage um, you know I, I think that it will be a very very good game of football both teams play an expansive uh, style of football uh, both teams are going to be going for the win um, I can't imagine as um, Wolves are going to sit back and absorb it. It's you know we go back to the uh, reverse fixture whenever it was, um, and Wolves not didn't even play us off the park, but no. you know they got two two fairly regular goals. Um, but it was a quite an exciting game. Just Fulham just couldn't break them down, and I think that 
if Wolves come out and play a bit more expansively because it's a bit different from back then but then it will be a better game and, and Fulham are high on confidence at the moment you know we'll have Fredericks back on fully rested yeah um you know, we can rotate. Callas will be fully rested. So, do you think? I was that was what I was going to say next. Do you think that Callas uh, and Fredericks will all come back into the side? Uh, I'd be surprised if Fredericks didn't, because yeah. there was. Although Christie did okay, yeah, six, seven, or out of ten. Um, you know, he he wasn't Ryan Fredericks. Mm. Uh, you know, there's nothing to to Christie against Christie at all. Um, it's difficult to come in. Um, straight as a start well, it never it never helps when you when you're coming into the team it's it's like when you uh if you if you're following an act at a show or something and they've been absolutely amazing and let's say you're a comedian or something and the and the warm-up comedian's unbelievable and then you've mm. got to follow that and you're thinking god that's that's not easy you're coming in to replace ryan fredericks who's just been man of the match against mm. aston villa probably played one of the games of his life and then everyone's comparing you to that so it wasn't the case that christie played badly for me it was just that he didn't play anywhere near as well as Ryan Fredericks did yeah. on Saturday, and I thought it showed. The other change I wonder if uh, Slav might make might be dropping Piazon. He wasn't very impressive last night. He really struggled to get on the ball, and I wonder if he might be going back to either Ayite or maybe Shea Ojo. I thought Ayite was actually quite impressive when he came on. He he certainly lifted the team mm. to a certain extent. Um Although when Aite came on, it was it, the formation just kind of went a bit skew. If Sessegnon mm. was popping up in the right mid, Aite was almost playing like a free roll system. But he did lift the team. Piazon was okay, again okay. I thought I thought I thought the whole team would were just about okay. Yeah, I think good enough for a win if we were lucky, but not terrible. Um, and the same with Piazon. I think that they Piazon played about the same as Aite did at the weekend. I know Aite got a good goal, but they generally overall they played just about the same, which was which was fine, you know. Mm. Um I'd be surprised considering he he played Piazza on a midweek that he wouldn't go back to Aite on Saturday. But I'd be happy with either, yeah. truth be told. We're going to see uh, a lot of rotation, I think, over the next few weeks. We're going to see the same names cropping up uh, and it is quite good as we said earlier that we've now got 18, 19 first team players, all of them can slot in. And if any one of them started, you're not thinking, what the blimmin' heck's he doing? It's like he's playing a reserve player or something. There's a, there's a, there's a high calibre throughout the squad. It's a small, tight knit. In a way, it's small and tight knit, but the depth runs throughout and the quality level is there amongst the entire squad not just having an amazing first team and then you've just got some ropey players on the bench like some sort of fantasy football manager <laughs> um, so um, let's hear now from a, a Wolves fan Sam Cook he runs the 77 Club podcast and I started by asking him is it a good time to be facing Wolves? Do you know what I think it is probably a better time to be playing Wolves that's certainly the case but I think the one thing that we've had from from Nuno this year is that every time that he's been annoyed or hasn't been impressed with the performance, that there's always been a reaction in the next game. Now, you probably would have said that Preston at the weekend would have been that chance for them to have that sort of comeback where it had a better performance. But it was similar again against Norwich. So I don't know, really. I think I expect them to, to sort of maybe pull their finger out. There's obviously no 
Ruben Neves at the weekend. So I would expect Romain Sace to come in in his place. But I was really, really impressed with Morgan Gibbs-White when he came on the other day, even though he didn't replace Neves. I thought he might have experimented a little bit, but he came on for Ndai, had about 20 minutes, and he did look a cut above. And obviously he knows your man, uh, Ryan Sessegnon, from that World Cup squad as well. What's it been like to be a Wolves fan this season? Obviously, I imagine it's been utterly glorious just to be wiping the floor with so many championship teams game after game fans of other clubs have just kind of written it off the the title and and, and are pretty much unanimous in saying that Wolves have got it sewn up do Wolves fans feel the same do you think it's just a matter of time now before the championship is yours or do you still have a, a feeling in the back of your mind that Wolves could throw this away do you know what, Sammy? It's it's so strange because if if anyone had promised us this position at the beginning of the season, I don't, I, we would have bitten every part of you off that we could have possibly done. But do you know what? When you go on to all the Facebook groups, and look, I know social media is a playground anyway, and you get sort of the people that are looking to wind you up, but I just cannot believe of what looks like the genuine number of people who are having a go at a side that is this many points clear and has accumulated this many points at this stage of the season. It just it blows my mind because a lot of the people on those forums will never have seen football like this in gold and black before. I think you have to go back a very long time, probably two generations, to really see this standard of football. I know it's not top division stuff yet, and it will be. I've got no, fa- I've got no doubt that we'll be promoted, touch wood. But... I just see a lot of people moaning. And I think we we were talking about it a couple of weeks ago on the 77 Club is that I think football fans now will never actually be truly happy again because they always want total football. You have you know, you have Real Madrid fans, probably a bad example, but Barcelona fans, Man City fans who are moaning because there's little problems with the side or they're not winning enough. And, and you just think, will you ever be happy? Is it ever going to happen? Because, you know, no one's ever goes to a game and, and comes back happy whatever result anymore. And I think the FA Cup final is probably a, a good example of that, is that half the ground is empty at full time. Whereas if you go back 30 years, then it, it would be, if that makes sense. No, indeed. And it is a weird one, isn't it? And it's amazing when you go on to City Fan Forum, sorry, I mean Man City Fan Forums, and it's even when they were winning 13 in a row, how... There are still problems they seem to find with the team and you just think, Christ, you really need to start supporting Stockport or something. That's a that's a team that or, or or a team of far lower and it's amazing that you can still find problems within the team. Um Looking back at Wolves, Sam, um, obviously you've got a plethora of amazing players. Who's been the standout for you though this season? Or who who have been the two, three standout players? I reckon it has to be uh, to be honest, Sammy, I'm gonna have to give you four. And two, okay. two of them are going to be Portuguese, and that's going to yeah. be Costa and Jota. Uh, mm-hmm. They are they are a class above everybody else in that league. Um, for, for me, anyway, for having seen them play week in week out, and they do perform week in week out. Jota gets kicked every single week. I mean, he finished the the game against Blues back in January. Um, or was it December? I can't remember now. Uh, with, with a black eye at half time because he just got absolutely battered. But I have to say, and I have to give credit to the two English blokes at the back, and that is uh, Connor Cody and Ryan Bennett. They have been absolutely rock steady every time they've been in that squad, and especially Connor Cody. Um, we were talking about the England side and maybe who'd be on the plane to Russia, and do you know what? I'd back him all day long. And what what have been the weak points, if any, of this team this season? Is it John Ruddy? I mean, a lot of fans, what a lot of Wolves fans um, have been criticising him after his past couple of performances. 
I th- yeah, I think he, you know, he'd be a goalkeeper, really. Um, you know, if if you make a mistake at the top of the pitch, it doesn't really matter. You can recover from it. But you know, yeah, okay, maybe he's had two two pretty weak games. But I think it was collectively as a back four, um, it wasn't great. Laps in concentration. To be fair, the equaliser against Norwich did bounce right in front of him. It can be difficult. I won't sit here and and slate John Ruddy, but I think the the one problem that we maybe have had. Um, which which seems ridiculous with the amount of goals that we have scored is is an out and out striker because uh, Bonatini was on fire beginning of the season he went about ten or eleven games of, of consecutive goals and ever since he stopped he hasn't scored since then and we haven't had that striker that's going to bag you sort of twenty goals a season so we we haven't got that striker so I think the only weakness in the side is actually. Uh, that one up top, and it should be Benikafobi, but he is trying so hard to score that it's just not coming off for him. And what kind of challenge are you expecting from Fulham on Saturday? Now, the last time we spoke uh, before the Wolves-Fulham game, uh, Fulham were in a very different position and actually we were, in a, we were in a very poor run of form and it was a very easy uh, night for, for Wolves. You were 2-0 up within half an hour and to be honest, you just coasted the rest of the evening. You could have scored more, you just didn't fancy scoring more that evening. It certainly wasn't anything uh, good that Fulham were doing. But since then, we've obviously gone on this crazy run. Uh, we've got ourselves up to fifth. Some Fulham fans are talking about the automatics whilst obviously some just looking over their shoulder. But certainly, it's a much different proposition for Wolves this Saturday coming down to the cottage than it was back in October when we last met. Do you know what? I, I, I've got a lot of time for Fulham and I think they play great football. I think they always have. Always had a little bit of a soft spot for them because we, we've most, in the most part, been in different divisions for, for most of however long I've been watching football for. Um, but yeah, you you play some, some great stuff. You're looking like you're... I, I really think there's an outside chance that you're going to get into those automatic promotion spots if you carry on with this form. And I guess for you, that has to start on Saturday. And for us, we need to get back to winning way. So I, I think it's going to be an absolute cracker. Yeah, it's going to be a brilliant game. And it's a tea time kickoff, which is my favourite time for, for football always. Um, Sam, can I get you to stick your neck out and put a prediction for us? Yeah, uh, the only problem I have with a half-five kickoff is I'm usually hammered by the time it comes around and then it just uh, <laughs> I come to have to talk about it a couple of days later and I just can't remember anything, so it's sort of a hop over to the BBC Sport website. But uh, as, a, as far as a score prediction, I will back us to come back, get back to winning ways. I'm going to say it's going to be a bit closer than it was last time. I'm going to go 3-2. 3-2, well, that would be an entertaining game, certainly for the neutral, if that's how it turns out. Sam, uh, enjoy your day on Saturday and uh, hopefully speak soon. Thank you very much. Welcome back to the Fulhamish podcast. Thank you to Sam Cook from the 77 Club podcast. It's a new Wolves podcast uh, that started this year and Sam's very pro. Uh, And if you do know any Wolves fans... Uh, that are looking to add another Wolves podcast uh, into their lives. Definitely get them to check out the 77 Club. It's just starting, uh, but he, he's a brilliant presenter and I've listened a couple of times. Very insightful on Wolves. Obviously, the uh, the Wolves fan cast is the, uh, is the very, very famous one, uh, but it's obviously nice for there to be a, a few pods into the mixer. Uh, just to say, um, I just wanted to mention about the uh, new player ratings thing that's going on on the Fulhamish website. We've just started it a couple of games ago and uh, it's quite exciting. I quite like it. So straight away after the game, uh, we'll pop a link up on our uh, Twitter and our Facebook uh, where you can vote each player out of 10, classic scoring system. And it picks a man of the match based on the average of all the fans that voted uh, and also just allows us to have some interesting stats as to how the fans 
believe every player did. So it, it's going to be it's become a bit of a part of a feature on the on the podcast each week. We're going to talk about player rating scores. So, for instance, for the game last night against Bristol City, uh, Mitrovic was given the man of the match with a with an average score of seven point one. Uh, next highest player was um, Stefan Johansson, who, to be honest, for me, was uh, my man of the match. I thought he was imperious, uh, just to, to coin a Jack's phrase from Monday, um, all throughout the game. And, and Marcus Bettinelli also um, got a quite high score at, at 6.7. Uh, lowest scoring um, was Lucas Piazon on 5.1 which is no real surprise and actually Ryan Sessignon was uh, pretty low as well on 5.6 which is rare for young Ryan but as we did mention earlier did have quite a quiet game so yeah get involved after each match give your players ratings and it will help us when we come to the podcast the day or two after we can kind of reflect on those scores and it gives us a good guideline as to how you think each player in the team performed so and that's also going to be at fullamish.co.uk right so a bit of an emergency podcast in my living room uh, Farrell's come straight down from work thank you very much for being here tonight that's alright brought my sleeping bag I hope you don't mind if it's and not at all there's a space on the sofa right there um, so we will be back on Monday looking back at that Wolves game hopefully it's three points and it could be a uh, confidence boosting win uh, for the Whites as we look to stretch the unbeaten run to 12 games and make it eight consecutive home wins as well how incredible would that be uh, we'll be looking back at that Wolves game and looking forward to the tough trip that's upcoming to Pride Park against Derby um, that is going to be that's going to be huge I think yeah um, it's it's going to I'm actually moving jobs and it's my work leaving due the the night before it's the same for me yeah oh is it oh, yeah, cool. yeah. Yeah, right. we might end up waking up not in our bed but end up waking up and we'll be on the on a uh, virgin train to Derby <laughs> making a very late night decision to, uh, to to head up to Pride Park so yeah that's looking like an absolute cork and we'll have all the previews to that next week so um, Farrell thank you very much for being here thank you very much Sammy we'll speak to you on Monday have a great weekend you whites cheerio cheerio